your Bibles with me, please, to the book of Lamentations. And we're going to be looking at the third chapter at verse 18. I have forgotten what happiness is, so I say, God is my glory and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. The thought of my affliction and my homelessness is wormwood and gall. My soul continually thinks of it and is bowed down within me. Verse 21, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Praise the Lord. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Emily Dickinson wrote in 1891, famous poet, Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. In my former job working at the Audubon Society, everybody knew this poem because it likened hope to a bird. And of course we love the birds. But the thing about that poem is how hope is described, life and airy as a bird. But it never stops. Despite how light and airy it is, hope is powerful enough to move the human soul. What would we do without hope in our lives? Where would we be? Hope gives us motivation to continue, doesn't it? Amen. It can breathe new life into old wounds. Hope is able to lift us up when we get burdened and overwhelmed time and time again in this life. Hope is described as an expectation, a longing, a feeling of trust, or my favorite definition, of confident expectation. Confident expectation. Hope is our lifeline, and I mean that quite literally. Because without hope in our lives, we cease to move forward. If you didn't have hope for the day, if you didn't have hope for the week or the month or the year, if you didn't have hope for yourself and hope for your families, why get up? Why get out of bed? There's no moving forward. We cease to thrive without hope. And we all know that hopelessness has been the cause of many untimely endings. Yes. So where do we find this hope this lifetime, this lifeline rather. Because some days, I'm sure we can all agree, it's harder to find than on others. We prayed, Pastor Rachel prayed with us at the beginning about what's going on in the world. We all know what's going on in the world. These days, it is very, very difficult to find hope. There's so much that seems to be out of our own control. In our own country, we are alone. alone we are experiencing division, and devastation at a level that we haven't seen in decades. A few examples that we are very likely familiar with. Decisions are being made behind closed doors that are affecting you and I in our daily lives. People in positions of authority and power are bending the laws to their own whim to protect themselves, and we pay the price. The citizens of this country and other countries pay the price. We are inundated with lies daily and some days even hourly. And anyone who could stop it is not standing up to stop it. We are more divided from each other than we have been and who knows how long. Our leaders are offending and alienating our allies and making friends with our enemies. The world literally seems like it's turning upside down and we're in the midst of it. They're very risky times, aren't they? And in the midst of all of this, we've got to go on living our lives. 
surviving and thriving to the best of our ability. So how do we do this when it feels so grim? If you're like me, you may very well find it very difficult to face the day with hope because everything just seems so shaky. The last 100 years in this country has seen many things in the world, not just this country. The persecution of the Jews during the Holocaust when millions and millions of people were killed under an authoritarian government, it happened in the last 100 years. The civil rights movement, when people were beaten, killed, and tormented on our own soil because they peacefully asked for the same rights as their countrymen, again, in the last 100 years. And in this last 100 years, this country has fought seven major wars, seven, and still we find peace elusive. These are just a few of the things that we've seen. And somehow, I think we could all agree that it feels like we're on the verge of another major event. So how do we hold on to hope in the midst of all of this? Some days it does seem impossible, but, brothers and sisters, there is a way. Because we are not the only ones who have lived in risky times where hope seems near impossible. Our reading today from the Book of Lamentations was written by Jeremiah. The Book of Jeremiah comes right before, and he's describing what's going on in his lifetime, during his ministry, in his very own city of Jerusalem. And it follows through with Lamentations, five chapters, relaying his experience as the city was overtaken by the Babylonians. People were killed mercilessly. The survivors, only the, the most prominent survivors, that is, the nobles, the craftsmen, as you were talking about this morning, Brother Frank, they were taken away, leaving behind the poor, those who had nothing and were barely able to, to survive. Their city was burned. The center of their city, the center of their life, the temple, was brought to the ground, and everything precious of God was stolen. This is what Jeremiah is living through. Think about it for a second. It would be like an enormous army coming into New York City and burning, breaking down everything. Every man, woman, and child would be forced out of their homes and watch their homes be destroyed. There's no more going to school. There's no more going to work. The life as you know it is done. And you're watching destruction all around. And you're seeing people being killed and left for dead in the street. Your noblemen, your leaders are taken captive. It was during the Babylonian takeover that we're talking about that Zedekiah, the king of Judah, was taken captive and forced to watch his sons be put to death just before they put out his eyes. So it would be the last thing that he saw. Jeremiah 38 describes that. And Lamentations 2, the chapter before what we just read, women were eating their children yes. because they had no food. There was famine, there was desolation, there was pestilence, there was disease. These were perilous times. It was a gruesome takeover, for sure. Their lives were completely destroyed. Jeremiah describes the city after the Babylonians have come. He says, in Lamentations, how lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow she has become. She who was great among the nations. She who was a princess among the provinces has become a slave. It still gives me chills to read it even now. 
because it sounds like something that could be quite possible in our lifetime. Yeah. Jeremiah was living through all of this. And the crazy thing is that he had warned the people. Yes. He had warned them of what was coming. God didn't do this in secret. God always speaks before he moves. Yes. Brothers and sisters, he speaks before he moves. If we have ears to hear, let us hear. Jeremiah had warned the people of Judah. He warned the king over and over that this was coming, but they didn't listen. He told the king that the Babylonians were coming and that all those who remained in the city would die, so go out and meet them. But they did not do it. Instead, the king allowed Jeremiah to be thrown into a pit. Yes. Literally, he was lowered down with ropes. It was so far. Yes. No man could reach down to save him. They left him without water. And it says he was in the mire. Mm. Clay mud and who knows what. In that mud, standing, without food, without water, without help. That was his repayment for warning the people. Perhaps now we can understand Jeremiah's words when he laments, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his God's wrath. I have become the ridicule of all my people, their taunting song all the day. I have forgotten prosperity, and I said, my strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. Can anyone blame our brother Jeremiah for feeling that way, for speaking those words? Can you hear his despair and his, his darkness of soul? And who of us would not say the same? Watching all you knew be destroyed. In front of your eyes, people killed and survivors fighting over who to eat next. Where was there room for anyone? But brothers and sisters, we must always make room for hope. Because without it, we lose our direction and we find ourselves wandering aimlessly with no anchor to steady us in this life, especially when the chaos hits. Without hope, we are consumed. It's in these moments of deep despair when all hope does seem lost that we must do everything we can to find it again and to hold on to it. As if it's your lifeline, because brothers and sisters, it is your lifeline. It is our lifeline. That's exactly what Jeremiah did. Just a few sentences, a mere few breaths, after he said, my hope and my, my strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. This is what he says. This I recall to my mind. Yes. 3.21. Therefore, I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. Hallelujah. Jeremiah made room for hope. In the midst of hopelessness, he made room for hope. He put his feelings aside. And what does the Bible say? He set his mind to hope. This I recall to my mind. We have to sometimes, in order to make room, put our feelings aside. Close our eyes from what we see and our ears from what we hear and set our mind on what we know. That there is always hope in God. Always hope in God. He says, they are new. His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. That means if God gives us a day, he's given us hope. If we have woken up into the day, his mercies are there already covering it. But we were asleep at night. He's crafting the day together 
and filling it with mercy, filling it with grace, filling it with hope. Amen. We have to set our mind on what we know, make room for the lifeline of hope. He set his soul, his mind, his heart, his will to remember and to believe once more. He made the decision, and out of that decision sprang the seed of hope. Amen. It is a decision, brothers and sisters. Yes. It is a decision. It is a willful decision to believe in God and to trust that with him there is always hope. Amen. Out of that one decision, that seed of hope can come in and take root. Yes. And we all know the power of roots. Mm -hmm. Roots can get through any bit of soil. Yes. They can get through cement. Yes. One of my favorite things is to see a plant coming out of a building. <laughs> I love to see how plants come out of the sides of buildings or the tops of buildings. The other day I walked by the subway station and there was a whole row of plants that were flowing down as I walked up and they were coming out of the, the gutter. You think somebody went up there and put soil? No! Those seeds fell. They found, they were watered. Those roots went out and found what they needed to find. And when a seed of hope takes root, yes. those roots will go in and find what it needs to stay alive. Yes. They will go through anything to find the sustenance to keep that hope alive. When we have hope, we will then look for the good. Yes. We will look for the impossible. We will look for the light in the midst of the dark. No matter what the situation looks like, when we have hope, when we have hope, we have life. Hallelujah. Because hope transforms our minds. It transforms our hearts. It transforms our very will. It sets all of it on the Lord. God knows how important hope is for us. Because in Jeremiah, just before Lamentations, there's a fun scripture at 29.11. And what does God say in Jeremiah 29.11? For I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. He knows we need hope. One translation puts it this way, I will bless you with a future filled with hope. Yes. Hope is vital to our human souls, and we must always make room for it, not only for ourselves, but for each other. Amen. Because sometimes we need to rely on the hope of another person. Yeah. Uh -huh. Jeremiah was in despair. It is a human condition that we often find ourselves in life in despair. It's not a sin. It's part of our human experience. Yes. Jeremiah was in despair. Yes. Jesus was in despair. Despair will cause you to bleed blood of sweat, droplets of blood of sweat. He was in despair. We all face it. But will we make room in those moments for hope? And sometimes we do need to rely on another person. I know this past two years with the physical ailments that I have had, whoa, how many times did I go to my now, husband didn't say, do you really believe I'm going to get better? Because in the moment, I couldn't find the belief. I couldn't find the hope. Things aren't changing. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. Have you ever faced a situation where you're doing everything you're supposed to do? You're praying the prayers. You're fasting. You're believing. You're reading the word. You're going to church. You keep the company you know you're supposed to keep. Everything you're supposed to do. And nothing's changing. It can try the strongest of souls. Oh, yes. So we need to make room for hope in ourselves, not only for us, but for each other. Because it's like a fire. Oh my word, hope yes. is like a fire. It's contagious. Yes. There's something about 
seeds. Fire often breaks open the seed. When a fire goes through a forest, it looks like things have been devastated, but really, there's so much life there because the fire has the capability to break open that seed and get those roots to flow. So these hard times, these risky times, they are like a fire. Is it going to break open the seed of hope in each of us, brothers and sisters? Jeremiah made room for that hope and he held tight to it. And there's no question in my mind that his hope was contagious to those around him. It had to be. Because these people who were left behind, left to die, became the remnant who survived and flourished. Recently I heard a preacher talking and saying that if you want to believe in God, think of the Jew. Think of what the Jewish people have been through over thousands of years, and yet they are still here. Yeah. Hallelujah. How many times have they have people been wanting to wipe them out off the face of the planet? Think about Jesus. How Herod went through and wiped out all the children, but Jesus was saved. Yes. Think about Moses. All the children, again, wiped out, but Moses was saved. Without hope, the people would not have survived. Peter tells us that we have a living hope. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. We have a living hope and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. He rose from the dead. He yes. didn't stay in the grave. He is alive and he's on his throne. Yes. He intercedes and prays for us this living hope. Yes. He says he will never leave us nor forsake us. He hears our prayers and he provides all we ask in his name. Yes. He is our living hope. And Paul tells us that hope never disappoints. Amen. Our hope in God, our hope in Jesus, is a sure thing, brothers and sisters. And that, that hope in Him will never disappoint. It will never fail. Do you need some hope today? The world needs hope. We are to be hope bringers, carriers of the seed. And the only way we can do that is if we turn to the one living hope every day. Our mind, our heart, our will, make a decision to make room for hope yes. in your life, in my life. Do you need to make room for hope today? As we end the service, the altar is going to be open, and I invite you to come up. If you need hope, if you need help making room for hope, come up to the altar and we will pray together. What is it that's going on in your life that seems like it's unchanging, where you've done everything you know, and still, you don't find a way, you don't see the way, you don't have the answer. Looking for deliverance, looking for healing. Come and let us pray together. Let us join our faith together, our hope together, and make room for the living hope to come and take root once more in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.